Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and we've got the band back together, as Rusty said last show. Kip's back. He's with us. Rusty's here. We got uh, we, we got the three-legged table up, and uh, we're, we're ready to go. We're a tripod now, and uh, how's everything going, guys? And Kip, I guess we'll start with you. How was vacation? I'm still on West Coast time, guys. I, I, I've needed about 48 hours to recover from this trip. I think uh, my wife drove about 2,700 miles in 12 days and uh, spent a lot of time in a car. So it's good to be back in my own house and, and you know, good to be back working, actually. I think it's it's actually comforting to me to, to get back into, into the grind of work because uh, the West Coast is undefeated, man. It got me again and... I enjoyed it a lot, but I think it enjoyed me more than I enjoyed it at this point. And, and Rusty, you broke some news earlier today. Uh, Bojangles. Hey. Uh, Bojangles, all you can eat Saturday mornings? Hey. Saturdays? I'm telling you now, that's what I'm hearing from sources. And if I can <laughs> confirm that 100%, we, we, our copay company-wide is going to go up about $40 a person probably. Oh, man. Oh man, dude! I tell you what, a country ham and egg, ham egg and cheese biscuits calling my name just about every day. I have to every time I ride by Bojangles, I have to say no, no, I ain't doing it. You know and, we got, uh, you know we got a great community on our board. When I break a five star, one of the top players in the country is going to be in town. But they want to know if I'm serious about the Bojangles all you can eat breakfast. If that's really happening. Yeah, they know us. They know us. Let's jump right into this thing, and uh, we're going to talk. We, we t- said last show we were going to talk about the schedule pretty much every podcast until uh, going to try to talk about the schedule anyway, pretty much every podcast until the season starts. And one thing that, that I started looking at with the schedule today is this home game slate they've got at Sanford Stadium this year. It's pretty loaded. And uh, one thing I wanted, I felt like was, was worth discussing is uh, with three guys here, uh, what, you know, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Rusty here, but what to you is Georgia's toughest home game of the season? I'm going to say this. I don't know if it's hundred percent true, but last week at SEC media days, I was told that Texas A&M has 50 charter buses already sold from Atlanta to Athens on that game day. I do know that Texas A&M was trying to rent every hotel they could rent a year and a half ago in Athens. Um, and, and the Georgia people didn't turn those rooms loose, but that tells you how many people are coming to this, uh, to this game. I think Texas A&M, I know offense to the Notre Dame game. I think it's going to be a great game, a great atmosphere, but you want to say the toughest team, I think it's Texas A&M. What you got, Kip? I like that pick. I thought about that a lot. I think that month of November is just going to be brutal. I mean, they're going to be coming off playing Florida, Missouri, and on the road to Auburn, I think Georgia's going to be pretty, you know, I don't want to say beat up, but, you know, they're going to be feeling it at that point. They got Georgia Tech right around the corner. That's, that's a really tough game. But, you know, when I look at it, I, I just look at that Notre Dame game, you know, likely going to be a top 10 matchup with both teams. Georgia hasn't had that kind of home game since, I think, what, 2013. I think LSU may have been uh, the last time they had a, a top 10 matchup at home. Uh, obviously, the fans are going to be amped up. This game's never, you know, been played in Athens before. I just look at not knowing what they're going to be like on offense uh, under James Coley. I think they're going to be, you know, mostly the same, but we're going to be looking at him this season to see what he can do as the OC. And 
No offense to Vanderbilt at all. Great team, great opponent. But you look at what Georgia's going to be playing before Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, Murray State, Arkansas State. We're not going to really know, you know, what this team is like until Notre Dame comes to town. Uh, you know, they lost a lot on defense with their the top couple of tacklers. I think uh, one of their top D linemen as well. Uh, but I think offensively, you know, they're going to be pretty, pretty good, probably better than they were last year with, with Ian Book now as the kind of unquestioned returning starter uh, coming on strong last, last season. He's a very high percentage thrower, a guy that they're going to be looking to to push the ball more downfield this year. I know they're losing Miles Boykin. Uh, and uh, and they are getting better at running back, I believe, this year. I think uh, you, you look at that offense, I think it's going to give Georgia, you know, some challenges, uh, a Georgia defense that is looking for uh, some consistency at inside linebacker, some guys that kind of step up and, and really become, uh, you know, unquestioned, uh, dependable guys in, in the middle. And that defensive line rotation, we're still looking to see what – what they bring to the table as well as, you know, guys to rush the quarterback. So you look at the Notre Dame offensive line, I think they return four starters. That's going to be Georgia's real test, I think, on both sides of the ball. They're going to be amped up. We know it's going to be a night game. So I just think with the question marks coming into that game, it presents Georgia's biggest test early on in the season. Might not be the best team they play. Might not be the best two or three teams they play. But just as far as right now where we're at, I think you got to circle that game as, as being one where we're going to find out a lot about what this Bulldogs team is like. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like Texas A&M. I like Notre Dame. I think we can all agree that there are three different teams on the schedule that, that kind of have a, a, a shot at this thing. There's Missouri, there's uh, there's Texas A&M, and there's Notre Dame. I think all three of those teams you know, present different challenges for Georgia whenever you consider the big picture. Uh, Notre Dame's early in the season. Georgia's still trying to figure the offense out. Texas A&M is late in the season when Georgia's maybe a little bit beat up. And Texas A&M, a, a fairly young football team after losing some talent last year, has a chance to figure some things out. But where Missouri falls on the schedule, between Florida, between Auburn, that one right there, uh, just the timing of that one kind of has me you know, thinking that that could end up being Georgia's toughest home game of the season because what you're looking at is, is two of Georgia's oldest rivals, two of Georgia's biggest games, two games they play every single year, and and Missouri's right there between them, and Missouri's a pretty good football team. Missouri's got a really experienced quarterback, a really good running game, a, a good offensive line. I don't know what they're going to be defensively just yet, and I, I don't necessarily know that I believe in it. They've been pretty bad the last couple years defensively. But that one, to me, is a little bit of a sneaky pick, and, and I think that, that Missouri is, is my pick, actually, that's going to be Georgia's toughest home game of the season. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, moving on to our next topic. Let's talk about Georgia's defense, right? Havoc plays. Massive. That's something that Kirby Smart's talked about. Pass breakups, interceptions, tackles for a loss. 
uh, forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and sacks and all that stuff. Well, when you start looking at, at what Georgia brings back defensively, there are so many capable bodies. You look at the defensive backfield, you look at linebacker, everywhere, defensive line. There may not be that one guy that's shown that he is a, an elite defensive player outside of JRE, and that's why we're going to kind of omit him from this discussion. But let's kind of go a little bit of a snake draft here, and we'll start with we'll start with Rusty, and then we'll go Kip, and then we'll go me, and then we'll go back and forth. Three picks for your number one, your your guy uh, that that you think is going to be an impact defensive player for Georgia this year, a guy that you think is going to be one of those guys that creates a lot of havoc plays, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what level of the defense. And, and Rusty, we'll start with you. Who's your number one pick there? Uh, how, you going to put me on the spot first, huh? Yeah, you, you, you get to go. You you broke the Bojangles think, news. You get to go first. I think uh, just just the impact and what he has and the value. Take away J.R. Reed. I think the impact of what I saw out of him last year when he was inserted into the lineup, he made everybody else around him better. Uh, Georgia was able to do what they wanted to do was make things flow to their linebackers because of his play and teams having to account for him. I would say Jordan Davis, the nose guard, you know, who was a true freshman last year. I think that Georgia was a different team with him and they were a different team without him against Texas because Texas gashed him a lot on that power. So, he is that valuable to me in this scheme. I think Georgia can do so much when he's in the lineup and he's in shape. Uh, if he's in shape, he's going to be extremely valuable to Dan Lanning calling defense. Who you got, Kip? I like it. I like it. I'm going to stay at, uh, uh, at that line of defense. This is a guy I've been high on all summer. This, you know, Looking back last season, I really liked what he did when he was on the field, and that's Malik Herring. I think uh, – He's just right now he's their most dynamic guy at, at defensive end, and you know he he's a guy that's really disruptive, you know, at that point of attack, and he's he's got experience, and and if he can really just keep the light on and and keep and stay consistent, I think uh, there's. You know, the playing time is there with Jonathan Ledbetter gone. I think right now this is his season to shine. I think, you know, when when the moment is there, the biggest moments in games, I think he's a guy that's going to step up for Georgia and, and make plays when they need him to. He makes the most of his snaps. You know, he's really talented and, and seems to really have benefited from from having a couple years in that strength and conditioning program. So I think I think this is the year where Malik Herring becomes a, a household name and, and, and a guy that – uh you know, could put himself in contention to to be a guy that, that that gets drafted in the next two years. I like both of those picks a lot. And just to kind of clarify how we're doing, going to do this, I'm going to make two picks. It's going to go back to Kip, and then Rusty, you get your second and third pick, and it's going to flow back uh, through to me because uh, we're going to do it snake fantasy draft style. Looking at this, you know, I don't know why. It's been like the last couple weeks where and I and like I, I've said this before, I like to go back and watch games from last year. I just think Monty Rice, as long as he's healthy, is going to have a big season. And tackles for a loss at the inside linebacker position is huge for me because that lets you know that a guy doesn't just does, isn't just talented, but he knows the defense well enough to know where he fits, where he can go. He plays fast. He makes quick decisions. He's decisive. 
Monty Rice was is Georgia's third leading tackler last year, despite missing four games and being pretty limited in two others because he was pretty dinged up and it played the Sugar Bowl. I think a couple, two or three snaps. It wasn't much. And I think that he's a guy that is going to put up big numbers this year. I think he's going to force some fumbles. I think he's going to get get a hand on some passes. He's a good coverage guy. Kirby Smart really kind of raved about him at SEC Media Days, and I really like what he's capable of. And and I think he's a guy that can get up there in the double digit tackle for a loss, you know, category, kind of like Roquan Smith did a couple years ago. I don't think he's on Roquan's level, but but I think he can do it. My second pick, and and this is one that that you know I, maybe I'm just kind of reaching out here, and I just I just believe in this kid. I've I've covered him for a long, long time. I've known him since he was a freshman in high school. But Richard LeCount, I, I, he's a better football player than he showed, especially in that Sugar Bowl last year. I know he had some tackling issues. He still, you know, led the team in tackles. Uh, you know, that, that had a lot to do with kind of how things spit out and, and how things worked out for him. But he also, you know, he's also put in a lot of really precarious situations if you start thinking about a safety. Those guys are one-on-one in space against scholarship athletes a, a lot. And so I think Richard LeCount's a guy. We're going to kind of see his ball skills come to fruition this year, uh, pick off a few passes. He he, I, he forced a couple fumbles last year. It seems like he picked up a handful. Uh, I think he's a guy, maybe get some opportunities to play a little closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he'll be a better tackler, added weight, all of that stuff. I'm going to go with Richard LeCount as my second pick there. I like it, Jake. I like it. I'm going to – I'm going to attempt to steal one from Rusty. I'm keeping my eye on who I think Rusty might pick. So I'm, I'm going to try to take one from out from under him. I'm going to go with uh, cornerback Eric Stokes. Oh, man. Uh, I, I know he's too long. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's just, Ru- just too good a knowledge to each other. Rusty's been on the table for him for a long time. You know, even coming out of high school, big track guy, guy that was kind of making a positional switch from – running back all-purpose offensive guy to the the playing in the secondary and you know he got his chance last season and, and really just came on great toward the end of the year uh, you know love, love uh his work ethic i think he's really you know focused on mastering his craft i think it shows with what he does on the football field you just look at what he can do physically uh and everyone was looking at tyson campbell as being that that true freshman star opposite of DeAndre Baker. And, and, and lo and behold, it was, you know, it was, it was really Stokes that, that kind of came on and, and showcased his talents uh, to the country. And just look at what he, you know, he brings to the table with that track speed, uh, you know, that six foot one frame. I think uh, he, he's, you know, he's going to be the, the starter now stepping up to that top cornerback role in my mind. I think after, J.R. Reed, he's the best coverage guy in, in the secondary. I think he's going to be matched up with well with whether it's a big wideout or a, a small shifty guy. I think he, you know, he has what it takes to to cover both well. And you know, if he can showcase uh, the ability to be physical like Baker was, you know, maybe he uh, he fills fills those shoes in 2019 and makes his case as a, as a national guy over the next two seasons. So I think he's 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 a big-time playmaker uh, coming up in that secondary and a very talented guy. All right, Rusty, you got two picks. Man, Kip stole. But honestly, you know, we'll t- piggybacking on Kip for a second, the one thing I'll say about Eric Stokes, he's confident. And when you look at some corners and we get a chance, Jake, you see him in practice, you can see it on TV. I get to watch it on the sidelines for a lot of the games. 
Eric Stokes is in your face and he challenges every single ball. If they complete a pass on Eric Stokes, it had to be a hell of a throw because he's all over the receiver. And I love that about him. I'm going to go back and, to the, and he doesn't panic. He no. never, he never seems to panic. And that, that, that's, that was Tyson Campbell's downfall and why Eric Stokes ended up winning the job. Yeah. And I think Tyson just got, you know, I mean, look, I said on an earlier podcast, he played opposite of DeAndre Baker as a true freshman in the first five or six games of the year. And the dude had about 90% more balls thrown at his side. So didn't really have a lot of time to learn. I still believe in Tyson Campbell. I still think he's going to be a really, really good player. I think the best thing that happened to him was Georgia backing him off a little bit because when he came in back, you know, in the Texas game, he played a little bit better there. So I, I fully expect him to be that guy. But I agree with Kip there on Eric Stokes. Great pick. I'm going to stay with the D-line, man. I'm going to go back to a player. Um, it kind of reminded me the other day because on the SEC Network, they showed the Rose Bowl, and I watched the game, and, man, Tyler Clark was just wrecking havoc. I mean, you go back and watch him and what he did in that game, especially in the second half. Man, he had sacks. He played that third down speed option play into the boundary, uh, covered Baker and their running back basically long enough. You know, It was just a hell of a play by a defensive lineman. I think the momentum Tyler had coming off of that year uh, and thinking, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I got one more year and I'm out of here. Maybe he got into that mold, uh, mold that mind frame that I'm, hey, I'm out of here. I need to just get ready to get out of here. Didn't have a great junior year. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I think Tyler Clark, and I say this is a money year because this, this is a money year for this guy. Uh, I think Tyler Clark is going to be a guy that George is going to count on. I think he's going to have a big year. And I think he's going to be that person that everybody saw as a sophomore, especially in those playoff games, uh, that SEC championship against Auburn, what he did against Oklahoma and some of the plays he made against Alabama. If I got another one, I got another pick. I go back to back here. I'm going to go with David Marshall, and I'm going to stay with his defensive line because I think Georgia has got a better defensive line than what I'm reading. I, I think people in the, around the country – Look, it's not an easy job to do to be to know a team in depth, but I don't think people realize what Georgia played when they didn't have DeAndre Baker and they didn't have David Marshall on that edge. Those are two really, really good football players and guys that can hold the edge, guys that can rush the passer. David Marshall, the same old with Tyler Clark. It's this his senior year. He's coming back off that off that foot injury, had a bad deal. Uh, will he be el- Will he be a hundred percent David Marshall? What we saw at times, I think he will. Uh, but I just think you know, you look at the defensive line. I think if these guys are who I think they are, and especially a big key is Jordan Davis going to be healthy. Is he going to be three hundred and fifty-five pounds and can't move, or is he going to be that three hundred and thirty-pound guy that was just causing hell? Is he going to be three hundred twenty pounds like Kirby Smart wants him in that range? Uh, I just think they're going to be different. I think David Marshall's going to have a good year. I think Tyler Clark's going to come in pissed off. Uh, I'm sure he would tell you he didn't have the year he thought he was going to have last year coming off of that sophomore year. And I think Jordan Davis uh, is, a, is a trifecta for me because I, I love what Georgia has on the back end. We could talk the rest of the day, and one of you guys might talk about N'Kobe Dean. But if you those guys do their job up front and have that guy roaming in behind them and Monty Rice and those guys – Georgia's defense could be really, really, really good. All right, Kip, third pick. I like it. I like it. I thought long and hard on this. Uh, I know that we're talking about Havoc plays. These outside edge guys are going to, you know, they have a lot of talented guys in there. I do think that with the the new guy, incoming guys, like Nolan 
Smith and Jermaine Johnson getting talked a lot. I think Adam Anderson's getting overlooked a lot coming into the second year. But, man, I got to go back. We're talking top playmakers on this defense. I, I'm rolling with, with Tay Crowder. You know, I'm rolling with the, the fifth-year senior who uh, who is still having, like you said, he's having to, to fight off a really talented group of guys. Monty Rice, probably going to get some snaps in there as well. You look at Nakobe Dean, Chaney Tindall, Quay Walker, incredible group. All that's done is made Tay a better player in practice every day. Having to compete in the, against those guys, having a couple years of experience at the position, I just love what Tay brings to the table, you know, in coverage. And we're talking about making plays, game-changing plays. I, I I look to Tay this year, not just to be a senior leader and be a, you know, a consistent guy out there, but I think in coverage, he's going to help George out a lot. You know, he's going to he's going to force some turnovers out there. Some guys are going to be some quarterbacks going to be making bad throws. I think he's going to take advantage of that. He's always in the right spot. You know, he, he does a great job against running backs and tight ends. I think when he's on the field, it's going to be, you know, in those passing down situations where George is going to try to, you know, turn up the pressure with that group, with that D line we've talked about with that talented group of edge guys. I think it's really going to help put Tay in a situation to make a lot of those big plays and get a lot of the glory that maybe that D line and, and maybe a couple of those edge rushers, they're not going to have that on the stat sheet, uh, but it's going to help Tay out a lot. I think it's going to really help him have a big final season at Georgia. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. And if he can fend off those guys, uh, I, I think he's got a big final campaign on board. I remember when Georgia took him, in that uh, in that 2015 class, I think yeah, 2015 class out of uh, out of uh, Harris County High School, and and whether he worked out at running back or not, you knew that he was the kind of athlete that you might be able to find a spot for. Whether it was it an H back or a tight end or linebacker, outside linebacker, whatever. He also had six tackles for a loss last year. He led Georgia's inside linebacker group in tackles for a loss by a large margin. And that, like I said, that's big for me. That shows a guy that can diagnose and can run and can get downhill and make plays. And, and you know, I think I think that's a really good pick. And, uh, you know, I've, I've absolutely been beating that drum for, for Tay Crowder. I, I'm kind of caught in the middle. I was expecting one of these guys to be off the board because of the nature of their position and the hype surrounding them. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go with Star. Uh, I thought about Devod Wilson or, or Mark Webb. You know, I, I think that position is one where Georgia is going to have a playmaking factor there no matter who plays it. Um, but but I am going to go with a guy that just just for the intrigue part of it, I'm really interested to see what this kid can do. And and I do agree that Adam Anderson and, and is being overlooked there at outside linebacker. But Nolan Smith, I go back to that play he made on DeAndre Swift in the flat in the G-Day game. I mean, this is a guy that four-year SEC contributors – weren't able to wrap up in open space. And Nolan Smith just kind of jumps out there on a swing route, plays him man-to-man, pinches him against the sideline, brings him down. Swift doesn't get an extra yard. I mean, he brings him down right where he, where he made contact. I, I just think that there's a really good football player there. There's a guy that plays with, with his hair on fire, just reckless abandon. And that's what you really want at that position. I think Nolan Smith's going to make some plays, and I think he's going to make more plays as the season goes on. I know we say that about a lot of freshmen, but I think he's a guy, when you start looking back at his numbers from last year, you're going to see, you know, game seven, one tackle for a loss. Game eight, two tackles for a loss. Game, you know, game nine, you know, three sacks and, you know, a a forced fumble, stuff like that. I I see that kind of being a year for him. I don't necessarily know that he's going to get the snaps with all of those outside linebackers, 
to to really put up big numbers uh, because I think all of those guys are going to kind of you know cannibalize each other in the production department. But I do believe that that Nolan Smith is going to make a lot of splash plays for this team this year. And Kirby Smart said that he's done it already in practice. Superman plays. Who's that guy out there? What's his number? And, and it's been Nolan Smith a lot, and, and I think that he's a guy to look at there. Uh, moving on to recruiting, um, we're, we're going to talk about a couple different topics here. We're going to hit them kind of quick. Rusty, what did you see in Blackley, down in Blackley County this week? I know you sent me that picture of uh, of Mims, and, and I told you I was going to print it out and put it in my attic, see if I could scare squirrels away, because that, that's a freaky-looking dude, man. Well, I'll give you the the short rundown. So I drive three, a little over three, a little three and a half hours, from Rome to Cochran, Georgia yesterday. And 12 teams are there in a padded camp. Uh, Coach Bond Lassiter, who coached uh, Jake Fromm at Housen County and Trey Hill up until his senior year. Um, coaches at Blackley County kind of kept me in the loop what was going on. And so I got to see Zykebius Walker and another top Georgia target. I got to see Amarius Mims. And when you see him in person, second time I've seen him, when you see him, you're like, wow. I mean, this guy, Mims, is six, seven and a half, three hundred and seventeen pounds. When you see that picture that I I posted, he uh, he looks two eighty five. In fact, um, you know, when he's starting now, he's only played he's only started like three games of his junior season because he had a meniscus injury. But inserting him in that left tackle spot after after playing basketball, his athleticism, his frame uh, his love for football. I mean, it, this guy's through the ceiling uh, with his potential. So that is why we have him number one player in the state. There's just very few people like him uh, in the country right now, not only in his class, but in 2020 class, I would say. Got a chance to watch him at four o'clock. It was going to be Zykebius Walker versus him for one hour, which was going to be fantastic. Uh, Chad was there as well from 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 Rivals and you know, we had talked and we were, you know, didn't he know, he, I didn't know he was going, he didn't know I was going, but we were there to see one thing. Those two young men go against each other uh, in the red zone, team drills. So get there about one, you know, Ware County's there, Putnam County's there, uh, West Lawrence is there, Westside Macon, a lot of good teams. I'm talking about the bottom fell out. And I mean, when I'm talking about the bottom fell out, Jake, it was South Georgia lightning, popping, rain, everything. So they stop it. We wait 30 minutes. We go back on the field. I get to see Mims, uh, Blackley County, go against Morgan County. Uh, so I got to watch him do oh, – he played offense only. And there was a play on the sideline where the pile got pushed over on a bubble screen. He comes out to block the corner. The play gets pushed into the sidelines. And, and for whatever reason, not sure if he hit somebody, somebody jumped on him, but they concussion protocoled him. Um, the trainer looked at him, took his helmet away. He wanted to go back in. They wouldn't do it. So I got to see Mims for about 30, 35 minutes, which was fine. I mean, that's a typical practice sometimes. That's what you see, you know, scrimmage-wise. So I got to see him scrimmage. But obviously wanted to see him against Zykevius. So at that point, I went over and watched Zykevius uh, against Wilcox County. Des Desmond Tisdall, the linebacker from Wilcox County. The thing that's different about Z, as they call him, uh, is he plays both ways. He plays tight end. He plays fullback. They told me he was a backup quarterback. He plays defensive end, plays defensive tackle. And it was crisp, especially after it rained the first time yesterday. So Z played a lot of plays. You know, talking, Kip bringing up Malik Heron, which I thought was a great pick. Um, and, and I like which, how you described him, Kip. 
he he reminded me a lot of Malik Heron yesterday. Seeing him, he he's that five technique guy. I think um, he's two hundred seventy one pounds right now, six foot four and a half. He's bigger than you know. He's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I guess from the recruiting side of it, uh, you know, those guys are who you are. I think Mims is elite. I think Mims is going to be uh, the the ceilings through the roof on him. Now he flat out told me as we wrote an article that Georgia is number one for him. Zykevius a little different. Um, he's going on a church mission this weekend, a church group. He may be able to stop in Athens for a little while, but it wasn't it wasn't 100 yesterday. So I'm not reporting he's going to be there. He's going to try to stop by Georgia. I know that Florida is recruiting him hard. Auburn's recruiting him hard. Alabama a little bit, but just looking at those guys, they're easy, easy Georgia players. Zykevius Walker's a guy. Me and Kip's talked about a lot of times. Just kind of wasn't sure where he fit in the mix, but certainly, certainly, uh, without hesitation, would say that he has a spot in this class if he were to call and commit right now uh, to Georgia. Scott Fountain is a lead recruiter there. He's done a great job. So going down to Blackley yesterday, planned to be there from probably noon till 6 or 7 and drive home. I was there from, say, noon till about 2.30, 2.45 because of, shortly after they got going again about an hour later, another storm came in, and this one wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. So those young men were there for two days. They were practicing this morning. So I went ahead and headed out of town and interviewed those guys. And um, I think, you know, if I'm crystal ball on either one, I, I, I would be confident right now in Zykevius Walker to Georgia and certainly a Marius Mims uh, to Georgia right now. But he's not going to decide, he told me, until probably this time next year. But Sam Pittman's doing a hell of a job with an elite, elite player. All right. Now, let's get to the real news that, that broke today. Uh, you know, the, the Bojangles thing was, was obviously big. That, that shook the entire um, junkyard, you know, the junkyard community. Uh, Zach Evans. Zachary Evans is going to visit Georgia Nation's number one running back, five-star prospect. I think a guy that uh, I know, Rusty, you've said it. I agree with it. I'm not sure where Kip stands and and definitely want to hear your take on this, Kip. Uh, He's going to visit Georgia this weekend. What does that mean? Uh, You've said that you don't see him in this class for Georgia. How big is that? Does it change how you feel about Zach Evans and the fact that he may end up at Georgia? That's very interesting. You know, I think people are going to I think people are going to put a lot this weekend on where kids are as far as that they're leaning that way. No, that doesn't mean they're leaning that way. Maybe logistically it was the best visit for them where they could get to. Now, when you're coming from Houston to Athens on a weekend like this, that definitely perks you up a little bit as a Georgia fan to think, "Wait a minute. Um he really is serious about Georgia." And I, I don't think that he hasn't been, but you know, I haven't heard from from people that I talk to uh, comparing notes with other people in other areas that that Georgia's really, really, really a player. Like I, I've been on the table. I've said for a couple of weeks now, when others are reporting things, I told you and I said on the board, I thought Georgia was in that with Jordan Birch. You know, he's going to be here this weekend. I feel like Georgia's a real player in Jordan Birch. I can't say that right now about Zach Evans because I really think in my in my thinking, it's either Alabama and Texas A&M, maybe LSU. But him coming this weekend is very, very interesting to me. And I'll let get Kip's thoughts as well. But I can tell you this, in my personal opinion, running backs, there's Zach Evans in this class, and then there's everyone else. And that doesn't mean there's not good running backs in this class. Let me be clear. But if you want a true alpha and you want my opinion, Zach Evans is that guy. Yeah, you know, 
I think him visiting Georgia this you know this weekend is obviously big. I think what really what it does is it gives Dell a chance to to really find out you know where he stands. Uh, Zach doesn't have a real timeline. It's just one of those situations where he's going to announce whenever he wants to, whenever he feels like he's ready. It, you know, which usually sets up for going late into the cycle. You know, official visits, maybe an All-American game announcement type thing. But right now, I think you, you start looking at these timetables for the other running backs. George is trying to get two. Zach is a guy that you obviously you, you take no matter what. Uh, you know, he's just that type of talent. But I just you, you look at what Georgia's doing at running back this cycle and who they're trying to get. You know, obviously, all of us at Dogs 24-7, we feel that Georgia's in pretty good shape with Kendall Milton as he heads into a Monday decision. You know, if they're able to land him, that, that gives them that foot in the door, that first running back, and, and then you start, you know, looking to see who the best guy available is. And, you know, you Marshawn Lloyd, the South Carolina commitment, that's a guy they've recruited hard. He's had interest in Georgia. Tank Bigsby, the in-state guy, he's a guy that seems to be getting closer to decision. I know he told me at the opening he would like to get that out of the way before the season starts. You know, I, I think Dell wants to know where he stands with these guys and, and, and kind of figure out, all right, Zach, you know, you, you've communicated with me. You, you know, you've shown some interest. I, I know that, uh, you know, you got a spot here whenever you want it. You know, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get my guys here and I want to know if you, you know, where you are with us right now so I can figure out what I need to do. I think that's really what this weekend is going to help Dell with in in regards to that. And I agree with Rusty. I mean, I've thought all along that Texas A&M is a school to watch, potentially Alabama. I think those are the kind of the the main contenders if I'm really trying to to pinpoint where Evans is going to go. I don't believe I have a crystal ball pick in for him because I just think it's still too unpredictable with that. I didn't think he was going to lead the state to begin with when he came out with that original top five. I think I think a lot of people were were surprised by that. I know me and Rusty were. I mean, we okay. he didn't have it. He didn't have the in-state programs in his top five. We, we you know we didn't know what to think, and then he comes right back around, visits both those schools, and and now that the original top five is is thrown out the window. So it's, we're back to kind of where we started with him, I think. And and for Dell, this just gives him a chance to you know figure out. Are we going to be in this thing for the long haul or, you know, or, or are we kind of fighting uphill battle in, in the end? I, I think that's where I kind of stand with Georgia right now. You never know when you get a kid on campus. If this if he is, you know, receptive and, and tells Dell what he wants to hear, then, you know, maybe maybe they go to battle for this kid. But I, I think it's always good news to get a guy on campus. And, and obviously uh, with a guy like Zach Evans, you, you want him in Athens as many times as you, as you can get him. Yeah, this is one of those things where obviously no inside information here. I'm not like Rusty and Kip. I haven't been able to compare notes, but just reading the tea leaves and having covered recruiting and and watching this from a from a you know thousand feet, ten thousand feet, whatever. Uh, it just seems to me like Tank Bigsby's the guy that's going to end up in Georgia's class, and and that's you know that's not me making a crystal ball or saying that's, but that's just the feeling I get from it, uh, from from covering this thing. It just seems like he's kind of warmed up to Georgia. Maybe Georgia's warmed up to him a little bit. I know Georgia fans have definitely warmed up to him after the opening performance and, and seeing him in the passing game and, and that things of that nature. I was also shocked when Zach Evans didn't have those two kids and I'm uh, sorry, those two teams in his top top five. And and like you said, we're back where we started with him and 
And, uh, you know, it'll definitely be interesting to see what he's got to say coming out of this visit. And we may not hear what he has to say coming out of this visit for another few months because he doesn't talk much. Uh, but a big, re- big recruiting weekend coming up. Uh, preseason camp starts on Thursday, a week from tomorrow. It's here. It's uh, There's going to be a lot to talk about. We're going to have that all covered for you. Oh, yeah. uh, but for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansella, Dogs 24-7. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Take care.